0: Hi, my name's Owen. I'm the Minister of Park End Presbyterian Church in Cardiff and it's Pentecost weekend. We have a meal on Friday at half past six that you're all invited to where we will be looking at what happened in Leviticus 23 and Acts 2 with Pentecost, particularly though looking at the giving to the poor, the putting yeast in their bread and the church being harvested in. But there's one question that I'm not going to be touching on there, which I'd like to touch on now, which I've been asked a lot over the years. And it's this. What happened with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two on that day of Pentecost? And the answer affects quite a lot of areas in our lives. And I've titled this video, The Spirit salvation, and the worship wars, just to name a few. So what did the Holy Spirit do in Acts chapter 2, and why does it matter today? Well, here's what he didn't do. The Holy Spirit didn't start suddenly getting involved with people and indwelling them and helping the Father and the Son in their job of saving people. Now, we regularly teach here, and we've written on, and we've got videos about how the Old Testament was the church and worshipped the Messiah, the divine angel of the Lord Jesus, and he led them out of bondage and slavery to worship the Father. That's the story of church then and now. But here's the thing. No one on planet Earth ever has been able to see the beauty of Jesus and worship him without the Holy Spirit. If intimacy with Jesus, aided by the Spirit is a New Testament thing, that that leaves our view of the Old Testament saints and their idea of salvation as just really moral behaviour, like some cold, clinical, ethical worldview. A holy get-out-of-hell-free card. But the real stuff starts in the New Testament. However, Hebrews chapter 13 teaches that there's this everlasting promise of God which underpins the Old and New Testament, and it runs from eternity past to eternity beyond. And it's this, the shedding of the blood of Jesus is at the heart of everybody's faith in God. And Romans 8 chapter 9 says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ we are not God's children. I believe that the Holy Scriptures teach that when God saves someone, he will never let them go. If the Holy Spirit indwells a person, he will keep that person to the very end. Therefore, the times where we read the Holy Spirit came upon people and then later left, it's not talking about in that terms of salvation, and indwelling them and redeeming them and washing them and keeping them often the holy spirit comes on people to equip them for a task so when we read that the holy spirit left people like we do in 1 samuel 18 or isaiah 45 we know that it's not talking about redemption or salvation but equipping for a task in psalm 51 when king david pleaded that the holy spirit would not depart from him we don't read it in terms of his salvation But in terms of what we even do now in our regular prayer meetings when we cry out that the Spirit of God would come to Wales or come to us believers and empower us in a reviving, powerful way so that we can do the work that we're called to do. And we know God in his sovereignty sometimes pours out his Spirit more at times than others. Spiritual rebirth and being saved is so clear in the sermons of Moses and having spiritual clean hearts, that when Jesus has finished his point about the Holy Spirit moving like the wind, he rebukes the Old Testament teacher in John 3, Nicodemus. How can you be a teacher of Israel and just teach them the things of Moses and not know these things? In Romans chapter 4 verse 15 in Galatians 3, 3 to 6, The Old Testament saints are held up as examples for us today because they're so spirit-filled. Stephen's accusation against the Jewish people in Acts chapter 7 is that you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it's about um, the prophets of the Old Testament who longed to look in to the things of Jesus. There were details that they longed to know and couldn't wait for about their coming Messiah, yes. But even then, they have the spirit of Christ within them. And as we read through the Old Testament, we know clearly that Jesus was with them, leading them, and they trusted in him. And here's a big one, John chapter 14. It's just before Jesus breathes on his disciples the Holy Spirit. Is it for the first time Is this a new thing that the Spirit's now involved with? No, because in John chapter 14, verses 15 to 18, he's telling his disciples again about the Holy Spirit and says, This Holy Spirit, you already know. He already dwells in you. And you're going to know more of him. So there's an era coming where extra spirit power is going to fall on the disciples for a specific task, as we're about to find out. Before we say what did happen at Pentecost, I want to pause there and say this actually affects your life more than you think. What is your view of salvation? If you think that there is some period in church history where the spirit is downplayed and Jesus is downplayed, you have the following options of what your view of salvation is. Number one, it means that we can come to God and stand before him as his children, having trusted in something else. Probably animal sacrifice in the Old Testament. Moral, clean living. That means that we can somehow work it up ourselves. That's not the gospel. That has a very low view of the power of sin because only Jesus, by his Spirit, can remove the power of sin and clean us to be children of God. Two, it affects how you're going to read the Old Testament. And many people, their Old Testament gathers dust because we think they're nothing like us. They have no idea what we're going through. We can't relate. And that is a tragedy because we miss so much of the work of Jesus for his church. Three, it also affects how you worship God. Now, I don't know if you lived through the worship wars of the 1960s in the UK. Are we allowed guitars in? Worship should it be a piano only or up in the north no instruments at all what's the root of people's view of how excitable our worship services are or how loud they are the arguments basically hinged on this in the old testament they didn't have the indwelling spirit it was much more external and murky and shadowy So they could have loud instruments and dance with tambourines like Miriam and the Spirit sometimes fell on David to help him play his um, harp. But now it's the age of the Spirit, the New Testament, where we intimately know Jesus internally. So the Holy Spirit no longer needs props or devices because he's clocking in more often than he used to do. This is the age of being reserved and internally holy and quiet. Any assisting of the Holy Spirit through music or anything like that is an offence to God. And it's almost like one big, messy, tragic loss of Jesus Christ and what the work of the Spirit has always meant to be about. So we end with this. What did happen? At Pentecost, first, according to John 16:8 to 11, the Holy Spirit for the first time convicted the entire world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. The fact that the message of the gospel has exploded around planet Earth is because of those apostles and that early church who were anointed with the Spirit. To spread it around the globe. Here's where you come in. Do you know something of Jesus and His saving work? Glory for the day of Pentecost. Thank you, Lord. Second, the gospel uh, in Acts chapter two seventeen is said to have spread to all nations. Now that's a slightly different point to the first one. This means that for the first time, language barriers were broken down, according to Acts chapter two five to six. Do you worship God in your English language or French or Spanish? Uh, It's the power of the spirit movement in Acts chapter 2. For the first time, we no longer have to join the Church of Israel to be able to worship. We can remain as Welsh people who worship with our Welsh hymns and Welsh language and Welsh food. And apply that to where you live. Third, the hidden mystery of the gospel, which is according to Ephesians 3, Romans 16, and Colossians 1, that Gentiles like me are going to be grafted into that ancient church, messianic church. If you are a baptized, Jesus centered church member on this day, give glory that you have everlasting life and have been grafted in the tree of Israel, the everlasting church. Glory to Jesus on high. We are safe this day, now and forevermore. Amen.